Hey, Teresa. Not now, Travis. But I must ask you a question. You really get my goatee. It's Schmanners. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. You're listening to our BB Lee fan cast. <laughs> she's just, she's getting real vocal. Real vocal, real chatty Kathy. Yeah, she uh, she knows what she wants, I think. And she she's is. letting us know. She is a person who desires attention. And, and then what? She hasn't worked out. But definitely wants you to look at her. Teresa. Marie Wellman. I'm so <laughs> Teresa Marie Wellman McRoy. So very excited about this episode. It's very close to my heart. Or should I say very close to my face? Because you suggested it. Well, yes, also that. That is also that is also the case. I usually have to search and search and search for um for topics. Uh, mostly in the Facebook group. <laughs> but Travis came to me and said, can we do facial hair? How about facial hair? Can we talk about the history of facial hair? It's one of those things. <laughs> listen, listen, it's one of those things that like seems pretty surface level. <laughs> but like when you actually start looking into it, it's it's been a huge cultural, you know, thing that's ebbed and flowed. And it's people's opinions on it have changed drastically over the millennia. I think it's a fair. Listen, I love I, I have facial hair. I'm a big fan. Let's talk about it. You All know? right. I I concede. We shall talk about it. Okay, good. I hope you did the research because I don't know anything. <laughs> you know, there were people in the Facebook group that suggested we do a turnaround where you oh, talk no. about facial hair. No, no, no. No, 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 no. No, no I'm, um, oh, what's the word? Lazy. Very lazy. <laughs> All right. Well, try this on for size. Um, There is evidence that early man... We're talking prehistoric man plucked their beard. Ow. Um, especially in frozen climates, it became obvious to them that water got trapped inside and behind their beard on their skin mm-hmm. um, and could lead to frostbite. Mm. So uh, they probably used clamshells as tweezers and plucked their beards That's out. That's some Flintstones nonsense. I, they didn't just have a pterodactyl pull it out for him. It's living. <laughs> no? I I want you to think about plucking out your beard one hair at a time with a clamshell. I have before had my eyebrows plucked. Um, I have, uh, you know, I, I've had some ear hairs plucked. I'm a man of a certain age. You get ear hair. I can't imagine doing my whole beard. Yes. The the just the sheer rawness that your face would feel afterwards. No, no, no. Well, one of the things that I thought of was like, I mean, they were able to cut animals open. Why not just shave it? Well, honey, if I may counterpoint, when you're cutting an animal open, you're not really worried about how much damage you're doing to the animal. You don't want to cut your face open when you shave. You didn't have precision. I mean, I think probably the closest that you would have had would have been like uh uh like volcanic glass you know onyx that kind of thing where it's very sharp but it's not very precise hmm 
not a very let, think about it this way you weren't really getting a straight edge that I you really need for sure. it was more of a like beveled thing that you ended up with so you were more likely to lacerate your skin than you were to shave i suppose that makes sense anthropologists assert that there are probably really only three reasons why people grow beards because they look um, cool uh no because uh, they're totally rad uh hmm. and to hide food in <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the hiding food part okay um Men grew beards, people grew beards for warmth, intimidation, and protection. Okay. Um, I know that that sounds strange that we talked about how you you would pluck your beard to prevent frostbite, but that was at a certain climate level. But before that, before frostbite problems, it would also help to insulate your face. And, and you know what? Let's just put the tiger on the table and yell at it and say that, like, most- What? Hum- it's I don't know. It's something that came up on I'm so my brother, my brother, me. I don't even know if it's a real phrase. But throughout this episode, and a lot of people ask questions, and I don't think this is news to most adults. Most people, I'm not going to say all people, because there are some people with like alopecia and that kind of thing. But most people have facial hair, not just men. Yeah, like, to some degree. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like whether it's eyebrows or eyelashes, but also it's perfectly natural for men, women, all people no matter where you fall on the gender spectrum, to have facial... We are mammals. Exactly. Mammals have hair. It's one of the defining characteristics. Mm-hmm. So when when you think about, like, the, you know, Neanderthal and Cro-Magnon and Homo sapien, everybody, like, they had facial hair. Right. And I am actually... I'm going to concentrate on the mustache and the beard um for this just because it is the most defining characteristic and is actually uh considered scientifically a secondary sex characteristic for men really it is interesting <laughs> all right so um facial hair can protect your face from things like sand and dirt and sun and other elements um but it can also create the look of a stronger more more cut jawline mm-hmm. um which actually makes a person look a little more intimidating if cut in the right d- direction um this was used to the advantage of of many peoples so firstly let's talk about the pharaohs um Pharaohs often, well, I don't want to say often, I'm going to say every pharaoh um, used a ceremonial metal beard that they would attach to their head by use of a ribbon. Mm -hmm. Um, And even the female pharaohs did this because it created an image of their god uh, that they are, they are emulating um, because this is the god that they were in the image of. They were in the um, actual... Reincarnate. Reincarnate of, yes. Yeah, they are reincarnated gods. They were god-made flesh. That's it. The pharaohs. Um, but other ancient Egyptians were known to dye their beards using natural dyes, uh, usually reddish-brown or dark-brown. Super cool. Yeah. It's a good look, red beards. <laughs> Give it up, my fellow red beards. Um, the ancient Mesopotamians also enjoyed their facial hair. They were known for oiling their beards. Um, so they often styled their beards using curling irons to make ringlets and frizz and tears and, I mean, all this kind of stuff. And this wasn't just unique to the Mesopotamians. 
the Assyrians, the Greeks, the Persians, um, even the Romans used different uh, affectations to style their beards. And no one does that now. And it's so weird mm, that now so people weird. just have beards. They don't put glitter in it. Or Actually, uh, no joke, I, I was getting my hair cut and one of the, one of the uh, gentlemen who worked at the uh, salon that I frequent uh, was talking about he had bought a mini hair straightener to straighten his beard. It looked like a keychain. Mm -hmm. That's how big the straightener was. And it was for straightening his beard. It was very interesting to Super me. cool. Well, I, I'm not going to pass judgment one way or the other. It's just interesting that such a thing exists. Um, and in ancient Greece, the length of your beard often depicted your profession. Really? Mm-hmm. Philosophers and, and um, writers and scholars were known to have much longer beards. I mean, even today, when you think of a wizard, wizard's beard is quite long. Yes, when I think of a wizard, I do, I do marvel at their beards. Yeah, agreed. You're specifically referring to Merlin and Sword in the Stone, aren't you? And and Dumbledore, Dumbledore, and Gandalf. And Ga uh, you know what? You've got me. I'm sorry, I questioned your historical accuracy. Sure. Fair enough. All right, so then we get to around 345 BCE with Alexander the Great. Mm -hmm. Previously, before him, beards had really only been cut off as a form of punishment um, in the same way you might uh, publicly humiliate someone by, I don't know, making them wear a sign on the street corner. Uh, you were publicly humiliated when your, when your beard was shaved. But Alexander the Great decided that it would be a tactical advantage for his soldiers to have no beards. Why do you think that is? So people couldn't grab him while you're fighting. That's it. He particularly wanted to be able to um, keep his soldiers on horseback, and he felt that they could be unhorsed by their beards. You know what you should do? What he should have done is have people shave their beards, but then wear fake beards? So that when people try to pull their beards, they'd be like, whoa, and the beard would come off in their hand. They'd go tumbling off their horse. I'm going to go back in time and pitch that to Alexander the Great. I'll, okay. I'll be right back. <laughs> um, after that, a Roman by the name of Lucius Tyrnicus Precus. Sure. Yeah. Um, encouraged the use of razors in order to guide the, a Roman city to hygienic reform. Okay, so this is the thing that's going to probably, I mean, that keeps popping up as you look through historical things, talking about hygiene, the right. hygiene of hair removal. Mm -hmm. Is that anything, like, do you know? Because I know that there was, I mean, there's definitely a time with, like, body parasites and, you know, lice and that kind of thing where hair removal is a way to treat that. But that's always been a thing that people talk about with, like, all body hair and, like, the removal of it's more hygienic and... Because there's less places for things of that nature to hide. Mm -hmm. um, so there's two schools of thought as far as the hygiene goes. The first one being, like you said, lice and mites and ticks and other things that can easily hide in hair. Um, when you remove the hair, they can no longer hide. So they are easily, more easily detected and removed. Um, but then in Edwardian England, and this is skipping ahead quite a lot, but I'll allow it. Um, there was the, the thought that 
the world had become so polluted Mm -hmm. that a beard, a well-kept beard, might actually act as a filter and decrease the amount of pollutants one brought into their body. Um, A lot like you would use um, a coffee strainer or... um, any any other kind of fine mesh sieve, it was thought that it kept the pollutants on the outside no. so that you didn't breathe in. Or like your eyelashes, right? So your yeah. eyelashes protect your eyes from things getting in them. And the same was thought of a full beard. Yes. Okay. My first thought to, to contradict that is that, and maybe some people do. My beard doesn't actually go over my mouth or nose, but... It goes I, over I, your top lip. I, I could see, I guess, where you could look at it that way. All right. Okay. I'll, I'm not going to completely uh, debunk it. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Well, I mean, that's what they thought. Gotcha. Um. So back to Roman times. Um. So then, a little after this... um. Barbers really started to come into fashion. First, they uh, did their services out in the street and then began to set up shops. Um, And you would use a barber shop if you didn't have a slave. So as the populace became um, less and less apt to own a slave, the working man started to shave their beard. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. Cool, yeah. We're going to jump way ahead to the Anglo-Saxons. And the Anglo-Saxons were a Christian population. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, they required that a certain sect of their uh, population shave. Which ones do you think it was? The, the priests? That's right, the okay. priests. Ooh. Although, um, later in history, when the Crusades started... Crusaders grew their beards, so it's kind of a weird, a weird back and forth of well, if you if you work for God, then you shave your beard. If you're fighting for God, you keep it. I don't I, know. I wonder if that was in the the Crusaders, if it was a matter of practicality or a matter of intimidation, where it's like practicality, like we're not going to stop every day for an hour so you could shave your face. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, um, there was a law in 1066 uh, CE by William I who required uh, people to shave in order to fit in with the Normans. So I think that it was probably more of um, a delineation of your lineage Mm -hmm. and how rebellious you were trying to be. If you wanted to fit in with the Normans, you shaved. But if you didn't want to, then you uh, risked penalty of some sort it was against the law and you kept your beard weird right yeah this is something that i wondered for myself um whenever you see a painting of shakespeare Mm -hmm. his beard always looks a very certain way yes it's very pointy Mm -hmm. and that is because in the early 1600s because someone had just walked up and went (laughs) pulled his his beard in the early 1600s there was a painter Named Anthony Van Dyke. Ah, I know that name. You do? I do. Well, I know different hairstyles. I know different facial hairstyles. Please continue. Um, And he was commissioned to paint many aristocrats, and he always painted their beard 
pointy. And that became the facial hairstyle known as the Van Dyke, um, which many people confuse with the goatee. The goatee is just chin hair, just the chin hair. Mm-hmm. Van Dyke is the mustache chin hair combo, ah. usually pointier. Yeah. Um, but goatee, you can have a goatee without having a mustache. Right. You can't have a Van Dyke with just a goatee. Got it. Um, speaking of beard styles, uh, there's a couple that um that I can I can name for you now. Please do. Because of their their ve- very famous owners. Um, Abraham Lincoln had a very defining beard, which, according to legend, he only grew after an 11-year-old girl wrote to him and said that he would look better with a beard. He had like a chin strap beard, right? Yes. Um, uh, there is some dissension as to whether it is called a chin strap or a chin curtain. Okay. Chin curtain is more fun. Chin curtain is more fun. Um, I would say that it's probably a chin curtain that he had because of the length. Gotcha. A chin strap, I believe, is is cut a lot closer to just like underneath the chin. His was definitely more of a chin fringe or a <laughs> chinge, if you will. There are a couple of different styles to do with sideburns. Um, so the sideburns are the hair is the hair that grows just in front of the ears along the, at the temple down to the jawline. Um, and there are a couple of different ways that you can grow out these sideburns. If you grow them in particularly large fashion, uh, they might be called mutton chops. Mm-hmm. Um, if you connect them at the mustache, it has a, a different name. They're called friendly mutton chops. Friendly mutton chops. Now, I'm, I'm just looking here at the Wikipedia for list of facial hairstyles. Okay. Um, and the Balbo, which is you know related to the Van Dyke, where the Van Dyke is like the pointy chin beard, the Balbo kind of like wraps more up around the mouth. Okay. Um, let's see. You got your Fu Manchu. Okay. Um, which is kind of a mustache grown long on the sides and not connected in the middle of the mustache. So it grows out from two points and then down. And if it stays connected to your face as it grows down, that's a... Horseshoe. Horseshoe. Correct. Um, the handlebar mustache, perhaps the most famous hipster facial hair there is, <laughs> uh, where it's grown long and then twisted up on the sides to resemble the handlebars of a you know bicycle or motorcycle um the neck beard which just aesthetically i'm not a fan of but it's a beard which does not include any hair on the face but includes the hair of the neck or under the jaw or both the pencil mustache which just think john waters and it's a thin mustache just above the lip line. Mm-hmm. Um, very, I think of Errol Flynn. Yeah, very popular during like the you know golden age of you know Silver Age, whatever the like forties and fifties movies, thirties for you know that time. That time, old Hollywood. Uh, the Shenandoah, which is a fuller version of the chin curtain, in which only the mustache is shaved, often associated with the Amish community. Mm. Um, side whiskers, uh, which was the preferred facial hairstyle of President Chester A. Arthur. Um, the soul patch, that little, there's like triangle or teardrop of facial hair right under the bottom lip. 
believe Howie Mandel sports one of those. Indeed. I'm also uh, very pleased to say that every time I find the toothbrush, toothbrush mustache referenced, the reference picture is almost always, like 98% of the time, Charlie Chaplin. Oh. Um, instead of, you know, Hitler. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that mustache there. Um, the walrus mustache, which just think like a handlebar mustache that just really got away from you. You know, maybe you fell asleep for 18 <laughs> years. Um, and then in the Wikipedia, it just says the Zappa, which is the facial hairstyle of... of of Frank Zappa. I don't, I don't, it's very specific. I mean, kudos, Mr. Zappa. Um, very impressive. And that's just like the beard style. There's also a whole bunch of mustache styles on top of that. Uh, the Chevron, uh, the Pancho Villa, uh, the lots of different ones. Um, Imperial, natural, Hungarian, freestyle, English mustache. Lots of options. Lots of options. Thank you for that uh, descriptive sidebar. You're welcome. Let's get back to history. Okay. Um, I'd like to talk briefly about Peter the Great. Yes. Um, one of Russia's great czars. Um, he was very interested in making Russia part of the the European thinking style of the time. Oh, I know about it. He wanted to, like, update their whole style, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He, he toured Western Europe as a young man and decided that this is what he wanted the Russians to emulate. Um, so he actually introduced a beard tax. Um, so at one point... When he got back from his his Western tour, uh, he banned all facial hair. Which that's the problem because especially in Russia, there's a uh, a lot of religions mm-hmm. that that require facial hair yes. of, of the the observers of that religion. Um, even so much as to when he had a reception held for him, he shaved his guests' faces, like right there. Yeah, that's what it. That's uh, according to legend, what happened. Interesting. That makes for a very awkward entrance. I think so. Um, but eventually, he loo- loosened the ban um, and just introduced it as a tax, whereas longer beards had to pay more money. And this beard tax remained in effect until about uh, 50 years after Peter the Great died. So then, once we get into the 18th century, the thing about beards is... They They're can- awesome. <laughs> Beards and mustaches kind of ebb and flow and go in and out of fashion. Um, what what seems to happen is a generation says, we like beards, we have them. The next generation, in a kind of co- counterculture movement, whether it it is as a, a, a matter of protest or just a matter of we're better than the ones who came before, remove them. And then the next generation goes back, and then the next, and then the next. And so... Which is not, I mean, just as far as, like, I think most anthropologists, like, think, like, the pendulum swing, you know, mm-hmm. like, the, the conservatism of the 40s and 50s gave way to the 60s and 70s, which led to the 80s, and then the 90s. Like, every generation kind of looks back and goes, 
uh, no, they they were the ones who messed it up. We're going to do it different. Exactly. And it's it's not just generational. It's also socioeconomic. Um, so during World War One, uh, a lot of British soldiers were required to have mustaches. Um, but then as the age of the British sh- soldier decreased due to, well, death. So there were... Uh, Younger, younger and younger, younger men mm-hmm. in the in the war, um, they couldn't grow as good mustaches. They just couldn't grow them, and so you no longer were required to have them. Um, certain professions seemed to have mustaches and beards over other professions, and again, that contributes to status. Uh, if that profession profession was considered desirable or not, the facial hair they wore was considered desirable or not. Um, it, it seems to follow actually very much the women's hemlines. If you, if you look at the two point graphs, they correlate pretty well dead on. Um, the longer the hemline, the more conservative the style, more beards. The shorter the hemline, such as like the 1920s. Um, beards and, and mustaches were very small or indeed non-existent. It's, I, I, maybe it's something to do with like wanting to look slick and polished. You know what I mean? You think about the twenties. Maybe. You know, it's a very slick kind of like roaring twenties kind of thing. You know, I, I don't know. One of the things that actually did influence, uh, beards and mustaches more than just social status was the invention of the safety razor. Mm hmm. Um, in before the 18th century, like you talked about, shaving was kind of risky. Um, you had to be real careful about it because you probably used a knife in order to shave your face. Um, or you got, you got somebody else to use a knife. Um, but once the safety razor was launched in Sheffield, England in 1828, um, you, men were able to, to do it more or less by themselves and safely. Now, let me tell you, as a person who's used a safety razor, the name is not inherently misleading, but I, I believe that the safety they're referring to refers to as more safe than a straight razor. Yes. Um, because this is where you get like those razor blades that are like rectangular, you know, sharp on both sides kind of razor blades. Not like we think of now on like disposable razors where you get like the three or four or five blade razor. This was like a single, very, very, very thin razor blade. Mm-hmm. Um, and very sharp. Um, but because it had the guard on it, it could only cut so deep, which is what makes it much safer than like a straight razor, which is basically a very sharp one sided knife. Yes. Um, And then, although there were patents at the turn of the 20th century, the electric razor really started to take off in the late 20s and early early 30s. Um, So then- For speed and convenience, I uh, assume. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And this innovation wasn't used just by men. Uh, It was also good to shave badgers. (laughs) Excuse me? Um, be- because a lot of um, beard brushes are made from badger hair. Ah, it was a, it was a joke. No, okay, I got you. Okay. okay, it's still weird. It's a weird joke you made, but I like it. <laughs>
And now we'll fast forward to my favorite facial hair period in all of history ever, mm-hmm. which is the 90s, when people were shaving shapes and designs into their <laughs> facial hair. I, I was thinking, I googled that today, I googled like, you know, facial the history of facial hair, and when you look at the 90s, like, boy band, these very, like, these very, like, they would, like, shave points in and, like, stars and design, or, like, in the more kind of, like, uh, grungy, punky, you know, it, like, these ba- people who would, like, bind, very Egyptian almost, where they would, like, bind goate- long goatees into these, like, pointed thing. you know what I mean? People got very artistic and i and i we talked to you mentioned that earlier and also before we started recording we were like most facial hair corresponds with kind of counterculture right and like yeah when you look at like the 60s and you look at like the 90s and you look at like grunge era and everything that's that's what was up that's that's why it's all such a huge kind of influx during those times of like my face is mine, and you can't tell me what to do with it. Well, and basically, as a culture, you pick the people you want to emulate, right? So um, one, a couple of good examples is when monarchs had beards and mustaches, the rest of their, their peasantry had beards and mustaches. Everybody wanted to look like the king. And then um, wh- another example is when the Beatles came to America. They started out clean-shaven, and everybody was clean-shaven, but then those Beatles, those gentlemen, they started growing their beards, and everybody else started growing their beards. So you really pick somebody you want to look like, and that's that's the culture that you emulate. Um, we are going to answer some of your questions about facial hair, but first, we would like to write a thank you note to a sponsor. All right, folks. Now, on, on many Max Fun shows and on many McRoy shows, we've talked about a couple different kind of food and snack subscription services. Well, we've got a new one to talk about here on Schmanner. It's called Try the World. And it's very, I love this idea. Basically, what it is is with Try the World, rather than send you meals or send you snacks, they send you ingredients to inspire you to try new things, whether it's like a different kind of oil or a different kind of noodle or a different kind of like, you know, sauce or paste, something that maybe in shopping at the grocery store you would have never seen. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, you get to experience like a a, 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 a Greek style sauce that you've never thought of before or you know, a, a, a flavor that you might only find in an Indian bazaar, that kind of thing. And so Try the World ships you these boxes with all these individual ingredients, all these things to, like, challenge you and inspire you. And every month you get a new box based on your taste preferences with five gourmet products representing different cuisines. Think Japanese green tea, Peruvian quinoa, French salted caramels, Greek olive oil, cocoa nibs from Ghana, like all over the world. It's amazing. And one of the great things, they sent us a box because we'd love to try these things, too. Um, and all of the ingredients they sent us were shelf stable. So I didn't worry, I don't worry about using them up or they'll go bad, which is really great. Um, they're all sealed in their own package and they have really nice little labels telling about the, the products. And I think that I'm going to add them to my cooking repertoire. Um, so right now you can go to trytheworld.com and get $15 off your next pantry box with code SCHMANNERS, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S. 
Tritheworld.com, $15 off, coupon code SCHMANNERS. Go check it out. We have a Jumbotron this week from Patrick Edwards. Um, He says, check out my book. It's called Space Tripping. It is the winner of the Nerdist and Inkshare Space Opera Contest. Space Tripping stars Jop and Chuck, who are a couple of intergalactic screw-ups who would probably benefit from a healthy dose of schmanners themselves. Oh, thanks for that shout-out there, Patrick. Um, so if you would imagine Hitchhiker's Guide with less tea drinking and more swearing. Um, its official release date is coming up shortly. It's March 7th, but it is available for pre-order on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and Target and Inkshares.com. Um, Patrick would also like to say, awesome job at the Cincy Live and Terrabang show, Travis. Hey, thank you. Oh, and here is a super secret scoop. On March 7th only, the ebook version will be available for free at Inkshares.com with no code required. Awesome. So go check it out. Uh, space tripping. Um, if you would like to have a commercial message or a personal message read on our show, you just go to MaximumFun.org forward slash Jumbotron and they can get you all set up. The Dead Pilot Society podcast brings you hilarious comedy pilots that were never made featuring actors like Aubrey Plaza, Andy Richter, Paul F. Tompkins, John Hodgman, Adam Scott, Molly Shannon, Busy Phillips, Tom Lennon, Anna Camp, Lori Metcalf, Felicia Day, Michael Ian Black, Adam Savage, Paul Shear, Ben Schwartz, Skylar Aston, Mae Whitman, Josh Molina, Ben Feldman, Nicole Byer, Jason Ritter, Sarah Chalk, Steve Agee, Jane Levy, Allison Tolman, Danielle Nicolette, Casey Wilson, Anna Ortiz, Lorraine Newman, June Diane Raphael, Kieran Chipka, Ed Week, Zach Knight, and Kerry Kenny Silver, John Ross Bowie, Jamie Denbo, Janet Varney, Alexander Sunny, Summer, Morales, Matt and many more. Listen at MaximumFun.org, iTunes, or wherever you download podcasts. My name is Patrick. My name is Ariel. My name is Joe Coughlin. The first time I uh, went to MaxFunCon, I didn't know anyone. I was really uh, nervous about that. Everyone said not to worry about going alone, that I'd make friends right away, that I'd have an amazing time. It turns out everyone was right. I instantly had 200 new friends. I've made lifelong friends at MaxFunCon that I'm going to keep in touch with for the rest of my life. If you aren't sure if you belong at MaxFunCon, you belong. Don't be like me. Don't waste two years being too nervous. Just go already. Join Ariel, Patrick, and Joe at MaxFunCon. Tickets for MaxFunCon and MaxFunCon East are on sale now at MaxFunCon.com. The first question from Julie. How do you politely tell someone they have food in their facial hair? Oh, goodness. Um, honesty is the best policy. Try not to draw a lot of attention to it. I mean, like, you wouldn't want to shout it across anything. Um, I think that probably the best idea is a little bit of um, you have something and then point on your face to where the offending matter is instead of saying something like, oh, you got sandwich in your beard. You say you have something just here, just here, and then they can take it out. Yeah, I think too often people assume that the polite thing to do is to <clears throat> not bring it up. But right. like, really, that's just so you don't have to deal with it because then that person still has food in their beard or something in their teeth or barbecue sauce on their forehead or something always better to say something don't make a big deal out of it this question is from jared uh hey so i like having a big bushy beard and had one a tad bigger than travis's 
When is it too big and bushy? Um, I would say that I would discourage you from going full castaway with your beard. Um, when it when it starts to outpace the size of your head, I think that it's probably too large. The thing to keep in mind when it comes to beards is there is a difference between big and bushy and unkempt. You can have a big beard. Think of it like a topiary, right? Or like a bonsai tree. You just have to you just have to keep it well groomed. That doesn't necessarily mean short. It means like, you know, no loose places, no places that are longer than others, that the line of the beard is still good, that, you know, you've trimmed up around your mustache and around your mouth, that you keep the edges of your cheeks clean, that kind of thing. Like that that goes a long way to making a bigger beard still look nice um but really that's what it comes down to is is Mm -hmm. is not about how big it is but how well kept it is i would definitely agree with that and i think that beards look best within a boundary um to to let it grow all wild man with you know sticks and leaves and stuff it's not a cool look that's the thing make a choice yeah that's the thing if you want a big bushy unkempt beard and you want to look like a mountain man person Cool. If that's the aesthetic you're going for, then that's what it should look like. But I think that that's a choice that you need to make. I would argue that it should probably be clean. Well, sure. But I'm saying if that's your aesthetic and it's a choice you're making. Sure. Cool. But like if it's just like, no, I just haven't thought about it. That's that's not good grooming. Agreed. Uh, this question is from, oh, and I'm probably going to get your name. I'm going to say Siobhan, but it might be wrong. Uh, how soon into an acquaintance is it acceptable to compliment someone on their luscious beard? Um, I think as, as a beard is a outward adornment, if a beard strikes you as lovely, uh, you should be able to compliment them upon meeting them. Uh, Uh, you get compliments on your beard all the time, don't you? I do. And I think we got uh, a question a little bit later on and I can't find it now, but about like touching someone's beard. No. The answer is don't. Um, unless you know a person really, really well, you really shouldn't even ask to touch someone's beard. Uh, just like it's it's not good to ask someone to touch their hair. Um, in, in general, here's a good rule of thumb. If you feel unsure enough about something like that, about like touching someone's hair or touching someone's beard or whatever, I, I maybe this isn't a good general rule, but I always feel like, Someone asked me that puts me in a very awkward position of I either have to say no, which is very like, uh, very shutting. It's not very yes and Mm -hmm. as far as continuing a conversation with someone. And it's very hard not to sound rude when saying no to someone. Or I'm kind of backed into a corner of saying yes so that I don't feel rude in saying no. Right. You know? And then it makes you feel like a petting zoo. Yeah. That's the thing. It's my face. Let me tell you someone with a beard. It's my face? Yeah. It's not like you're asking to feel the fabric of my jacket mm-hmm. or to, like, try on a scarf. It's my face that you're touching. You know? It feels weird. Yes. Uh, you should not... You should never touch anyone's body without their permission. And there are certain things that... uh I mean, you don't. You don't have to. You can. You can imagine what it feels like. It feels like hair. 
Yeah. What do you think's got you're gonna touch it and like I don't know, like be impact like feel magic course through your finger? It's just facial hair. <laughs> it's yeah, nothing. It, it just feels like hair. Um, this question is from Lisa. What about women and facial hair? And now we 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 talked about it a little bit that like human beings have facial hair. It's yes, okay. they do. I have a theory. I have not researched this, but I'm willing to bet I am right. Um, that a lot of the pressure for women to, you know, bleach or pluck or wax or whatever comes from this, uh, uh, comes from the fashion and advertising industry trying to draw a very hard line between masculine and feminine. And then so that they can market a whole new set of products. Gonna get a little bold and feminist here, but a whole new set of products at women specifically designed to keep their facial hair in check. Um, so my point of view is this. I think just like we talked about, like, if you want to grow a beard, whatever your aesthetic is, as long as it's a choice. And because here's the, I, I, I also don't necessarily think in this circumstance is completely uh, relegated to women. Like, there's, you know, we talked about men shaving too and, like, whole thing of like a step i get it i have a big beard and i have people ask me when i'm gonna shave and comment on looking like a mountain man and that it's whatever facial hair is such a weird thing that everybody feels entitled to comment on because you're wearing it as an outward expression you know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. it's an interesting thing but i think that if you uh wherever you lie on the gender spectrum if you don't want to shave, if you don't want to wax, if you don't want to pluck, if you don't want to bleach, don't. Exactly. And down to its most base level, hair is hormone related. Whatever those hormone balances in your body may be, may result in more or less hair. Um, and... Exactly what you said. I think that a lot of the removal of hair for women particularly is money. It's all about it's money. Big business. There's a there's just a huge business to make people feel like less so they will buy more. And also when it comes uh, here's the thing. I, I, along with that though, as we often stress stress on the trainers here, there's a difference between what you are allowed to do Versus what people might comment on and might give you a hard time about. So I think if you don't want to worry about it, don't. But also, there will be people who might judge you for that. But that is a reflection of them and not a reflection of you. And, you know, there are, there are certain religious sects that um, discourage the, the removal of any body hair. Man, woman, in between. Um, and so... If that if that is part of your life, that's hopefully something that you you can take a lot of pride in. And you see it too. Like there was a meme going around for a while about it was like a, a man with a big bushy beard, and it said something like, "If you look like this and you don't know how to change a tire or chop wood, shave," which is like so bonkers to me in so many ways. This implication of only men, real men, are allowed to have facial. No, that's not how that works. Like, whether you can grow a beard or not, whether you have facial hair or not, is not a reflection of masculinity or femininity or anything, because those things are nothing. They are social concepts. Masculinity and femininity are just these, like, concepts that, like, 
mean nothing. Okay. Okay. We Get are real bold and brash. We I are digressing, and this might be more suited towards an interrobang discussion. Perhaps. What we are going to say is, if you like it, keep it. If you don't, get rid of it. If you don't want to worry about it, don't. Um, this is well, this is going to be, I think, more of a question for you in this relationship, Teresa. Alex asks, what's the etiquette for smooching with those pesky hairs? How to avoid discomfort and enjoy those kisses? The first couple weeks of growth are going to be uncomfortable. Um, it for, get, for everybody. For everybody. For, for the person growing, for the person kissing. For It's it's itchy. It's not great. It, and I would encourage um, a, a gentle uh, sort of smooch for those sorts of, of days um, because nobody wants to get a beard burn. Uh, it does hurt. Um, gentle smooching is the best. But after that, um, I really, you get used to it. I don't even notice it anymore. Some things to keep in mind. There are lots of products you can use. Uh, beard oil, beard oil, beard shampoo, beard conditioner, beard balm, mustache wax to keep, not to do like big fancy handlebar mustaches, but just like a gentle hold mustache wax to keep it out of your mouth. Makes it a little bit easier uh, to interact both to eat and to kiss other people. <laughs> uh, but mostly, like, the more you brush it, the more you take care of it, the the softer, the longer it gets, the softer it gets. Um, my advice is if you are in um, a relationship with someone and you want to grow facial hair or you have facial hair or the person you are in a relationship wants to grow or has facial hair, that much like anything in any relationship, it becomes part of the discussion. Yeah. Um, in which everyone's wishes should be acknowledged and discussed and then figure out something that in, works for both of you. In our case, I said, Travis, I want you to grow a beard. I love the beard. She likes the beard. I like the beard. It works out great. Uh, this is from Joe. I have a handlebar mustache and sometimes think about cutting it back. How long is too long? This is, again, a really personal preference. Um, I think that if you enjoy styling your handlebar mustache, if you enjoy the attention, keep it as long as you want. Um, there are mustache and beard competitions. Maybe train for one of those if you really enjoy growing it out. If you don't like the attention or you feel that it's too hard to take care of, trim it back. There are some really cool gadgets that came out of the Victorian era and slightly beforehand um, to either keep your beard and mustache in good good groom or to keep them from getting dirty. Um, and that's what I really think about when I think about how to keep facial hair. I think about it should be clean and well kept. Um, but if you love to rock that long handlebar style, rock it. Um, this last question is from Dan. Can you talk about facial hair in a professional setting? Is it in bad form to go to a job interview with a beard? I don't think it is because this is the chorus that I keep going back to is it needs to be clean and well kept. Um, if it, it's actually in kind of, it's in style. It's very much in style now. So if hair. it's, if it's an up and coming company, a tech company, something like that, I don't think that anybody's going to care that you have a, a beard. If it's something a little more traditionally conservative, um, I would. Also, depending on the company, like right, depending, depending on, on where you're, 
Um, I keep wanting to say auditioning, interviewing. <laughs> uh, if, if the company is traditional or conservative, I would err on the side of smaller. And then um, you it, it grows. You can always grow it back um, according to company policy. So make sure you check that out once you're hired to see how um, – how luscious you can grow your facial hair. Yeah, I think I think at this day and age, like, there's always people worried about, like, oh, with a beard like that or with tattoos, how are you going to get a job? And it's 2017, and we're in a swing of the pendulum now where that's not so much a concern. And um, I, I also think that, for at least for me, and I won't speak for everyone who has facial hair, but at least for me, I don't just grow it because I want to throw the fact that I have a beard in people's faces. Aesthetically, I think it is the best look for me. And so if I were going to go in for an interview, I would want to prevent – I would want to present the, my – put my best foot forward, the best mm-hmm. version of myself. And the best version of myself is with a beard. Yeah. Um, And so that's why I have it. So why wouldn't I do that? Uh, so I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for telling a friend. Um, word of mouth is the best way – to share the show. It means a lot to us uh, when people talk about how much they like it and tell their friends about it. Um, if you want to go on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe, that always helps. And speaking of support, coming up is the Max Fun Drive. Oh, I am so excited. It's our yearly drive. Uh, it comes around once a year, two weeks. Uh, we're going to put out some really great content. There's going to be lots of fun uh, stuff just generated, buzz around it, people talking about it, bonuses, prizes you get for supporting the show. I am working on a club banger of a bonus episode. You're going to love it. There's going to be bonus episodes of all your favorite shows. Uh, when you become a donor, there's going to be lots of special things going on. That's coming up uh, in a couple weeks. So I don't know. Keep an eye out. Keep an ear out. Whatever. Pay attention. <laughs> it's coming. Get keep ready. Your, keep your ear to the ground. Or to like your uh, podcast app. Whatever oh, you want to okay, do. Right. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at SchmannersCast. S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S. Uh, join the Schmanners Facebook group every week when we post our topic. You can ask your questions and maybe get them answered on the show. Um, let's see. What else, Teresa? Thank you to Brent Bruntlefloss Black for our theme music. And that is available as a ringtone on iTunes. Um, check out his Twitter feed. He also has a new project coming up um, called... Use Your Words. Yes, which is a very fun party video game hybrid. Um, and then also thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our thumb and banner art. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.